Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup club's house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship, or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning good morning everybody it is february 8th 2824 2824 802 all the even numbers you are in the right place at the right time, my friends. We are doing, uh, this is uh, the second installment of the book, Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive. And it is a fable, uh, but, it, but one that actually um, is required reading within EOS. EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. I am a business and a leadership coach. I'm many things. Uh, I'm a talk show host as well. I have a show called Joseph Jaffe is not famous. And of course, I do these virtual coffees in the morning. Couple of things you should know. Number one, if you look in the chat, you will see a LinkedIn article that is the summary article of Tuesday's library. We're, we're actually doing two books concurrently. We may even move to a third. So on Tuesday, we're doing crucial conversations. Let me tell you, this book is a must read. It is a must read. It will uh, impact the relationships in your life with your partner, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your spouse, your kids, your boss, your clients. Um, it's just incredible. Seriously, trust me on this one. You need to read this book. And in fact, you don't have to buy it. You can just show up here live on a Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. You can subscribe to the pod. That's uh, bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go there are many ways to interact and to be able to get the benefit right now i don't need you to do anything other than just hang out um if you're as as i always say if you're walking the dog if you're getting the kids ready for school if you're commuting if you're on the treadmill if you're just kind of cleaning up around the house it doesn't matter you can feed your your brain your you can feed your soul you can uh, while you're feeding your body uh, and then towards the end of the session 
If you have questions, comments, you can put them in the chat. You can come up on stage as well. So that LinkedIn article, that summary article, I've put in the chat. There also, if you look right at the top of the chat, you'll notice app.poapp.xyz, four different links. Those are the four remaining links in February. Once they're exhausted, I'll get more. But those are essentially what's called a POAP, a proof of attendance protocol. And all it's doing is it's basically proving that you were here. You were here in February and you, uh, you and I shared a virtual cup of coffee. At the end of the year, you'll be able to redeem some of them, maybe all of them, depending on how many you've collected, um, for various experiences, like a signed copy of my book. I've written six uh, or maybe a walk-on role on my show. Maybe you'll even co-host the show with me. Maybe I'll even buy you if we're in the same city. I'll buy you lunch, dinner, a drink, coffee, etc. So you'll want to collect those poems. There are only four today. So once they're exhausted today, all you have to do is click on them and follow the instructions. You actually don't need to be blockchain enabled. You don't need to be Web3 enabled. Uh, you just need an email address and the rest should be history. So... That's a little bit of context for today, the POAP, the LinkedIn article. We're going to be getting right back into four obsessions of an extraordinary executive. And um, I hope you enjoy it. We're actually, uh, for those of you that have been following, um, where we left the fable, um, there was a confrontation about to happen. The uh, CEO of the company had realized that perhaps he'd, not perhaps, had realized he'd hired the wrong person because he hadn't gone through um, the same rigor, the same um, discipline, the same uh, process in terms of how he typically hired. And for him, it was all about hiring based on core values. So let's get into it. Confrontation. By the time Rich arrived back at his office for the meeting, Jamie was there waiting for him. Like most people who didn't understand Rich, he was always struck by the simple and impressive nature of the CEO's office. It diminished his boss's stature in Jamie's eyes. Rich sat down at the wooden conference table where Jamie was seated and began, Jamie, this isn't going to be an easy conversation. Rich steeled himself and looked directly at his VP of HR, who seemed surprised at first, but almost immediately regained his composure. It's not? Why is that? Because I'm not, Rich hesitated, wondering if he was getting soft. I'm not comfortable with your performance, your role. He suddenly decided to be completely upfront, even if Rita might not have approved. I'm just not sure you're a fit here. Jamie was remarkably good at appearances. He smiled confidently, crossed his legs, and responded in a manner that was ever so slightly condescending. It looks like we have something to talk about then. Rich couldn't decide if Jamie's confidence was impressive or threatening. He plowed on. I wish there was something more concrete to give you here, but I'm afraid it's about your behavior more than anything else. I'm not sure that you've developed real honest relationships with the rest of my team. And frankly, I don't feel like I know how to connect with you. Do you know what I mean? Again, Jamie appeared to be unmoved by the directness of the remark. Inside, he was boiling. Well, after less than six months, I guess I'm not surprised that I haven't completely filled Maureen's shoes. That has been a challenge for me, but I have to say that I don't consider my relationship with you to be a bad one. In fact, when I think about all the CEOs I've worked for over the years, I'd say that working for you has been a pleasure. Even Rich was not completely immune to that kind of flattery. He eased off, but just barely. That's fine and all, Jamie, but I need you to be more open with the team. 
I want them to feel like you're not holding anything back. That means you need to be able to admit when you make mistakes and call it out when they do. I just don't see you doing that. Jamie began his response with a lie. I understand where you're coming from completely, and I'd have to say that your points are fair. After pretending to be deep in thought for a few long seconds, Jamie sat up straight in his chair. Let's do this, Rich. Give me three more months. I've just hired my own communication specialist, and I'm starting to feel more comfortable with my team as well as yours. He paused, but not long enough for Rich to respond. And the annual planning session is three weeks away. That will give me a chance to build relationships with everyone and show you who I am. We'll look back on this in a year and laugh. Rich had expected more of a fight. Letting himself be impressed by Jamie's mature reaction, he agreed to the plan. But I want to check in with you every couple weeks to monitor progress. And I won't lie to you, Jamie, I'm an impatient man. I might not be able to wait another three months if I don't see the right things happening. Jamie smiled, masking both his relief and anger as much as possible. I'll look forward to it. As he got up to leave, he stopped. Oh, I'm assuming that the list you keep on your desk is not for public consumption. Well, I don't make a habit out of posting it on the internet, but it isn't a secret, if that's what you mean. I was just thinking that it might be helpful for me to be on the same page as you, so to speak, especially during the next few months. Fine. Without even thinking, Rich began to pull back on the tape. I don't think I've removed this in five years, he thought aloud. Just before the last piece of tape came up, the paper ripped. Rich paused for a second, as if, as if he was deciding whether to be upset about tearing his famed yellow checklist. But he just shrugged and handed it to Jamie. Here you go. Have Karen make a copy for you. Thanks, Jamie took, thanks. Jamie took the paper and headed for the door. Rich couldn't quite pinpoint his own emotions. He felt a bizarre combination of regret and guilt. Regret for opening himself up to someone he wasn't comfortable with and guilt for being suspicious in the first place. But that feeling dissipated as soon as Jamie returned the paper and left Rich's office. Three weeks later, it would return, only stronger. The virus. By the way, if you are enjoying this, and if you know one or two people in your life, and this, by the way, is me, Joseph, speaking. This is not part of the book. Uh, please go ahead and share the room. Um, I would appreciate it so much, whether you're sharing it with people that you know on Clubhouse that you typically connect with in the morning or share experiences with or even on social media. Feel free to uh, email anyone. Um, I really do believe I have a vision. I have a vision that we will turn the Collective Cafe in the mornings uh, into the number one listened to business marketing entrepreneurship session in the world. And you can say that you were here and you were amongst maybe, you know, the first 20, 30, 40, 50 people that were showing up on a regular basis. Um, so I appreciate you if you have shared it and if you will share it. Um, you know, word of mouth referrals. I wrote a book called Flip the Funnel, How to Use Existing Customers to Gain New Ones. And the most powerful way of building a business or building a brand or building a community is from the inside out. There is so much value associated with credible you know, referrals that come from experience, experience shares as we call them at EOS. 
I'm just having a sip of my coffee, and then we are going to continue. All right, this is called The Virus. To most people who met him, Jamie Bender seemed like a decent enough guy, but he had a few flaws. At the top of the list was an inability to deal with confrontation. His deep fear of failure and rejection had trailed him his entire career, and as he grew older, it seemed to be gaining ground. But Jamie was brilliant in a variety of ways. He tested off the charts in standardized tests to get into B-School. More important, he had developed a control of his emotions and a personal charm that masked his insecurities, and he had learned to leverage these skills in every way possible. In other companies where it worked, these were enough for him to get by, even succeed. After all, in the right environment, Jamie was extremely likable, but with Rich, he could see the walls closing in fast. Jamie knew that if this had occurred in the past, he would have put his resume together, found a better opportunity and moved on. But that wasn't such an attractive option now. For one, he was actually beginning to understand and appreciate what was going on at Telegraph. On a more practical level, he had just moved his family to a new city. And even if he could leave the company as a vice president, he wouldn't be able to shake something like this from his resume so easily. He would have to find a way to survive at Telegraph, if only for another six months, and then maybe find another job in the area. Just want to say, by the way, shout out to Influencer X, who's in our Discord at the moment, and a couple of our now regulars. I see Henry is back, and Slick is there, and I saw uh, Christopher John Martins is in the audience as well. You know, one of the things that struck me, even in that paragraph I just read, is that um, it's kind of mutual, right? So in this case, you've got this guy, Jamie, and he realizes he has to be like um, like a cockroach, like in the sense that, you know, he's got to be able to survive the nuclear bomb, as they say, the cockroach can survive anything. He has to just figure out how to survive. But by him surviving, he in fact is poisoning the well. So two things happened when he was hired. Two mistakes were made, if you think about it. Number one was the mistake by Telegraph in hiring him. But the other one was his mistake. Ultimately, he joined the wrong company or he was the wrong person. And one of the things that we say you know, at EOS is core values, the ability to use your own core values of your company to hire, to fire, to attract, to repel, to retain, you know, to promote, to incentivize, to communicate, is that people ultimately self-select themselves. So you could argue that actually Telegraph did Jamie a disservice at the beginning. So I'm just throwing that out there, that Telegraph might have done Jamie a disservice because if they had been able to say to him right at the beginning, you're not the right fit for us, that could have saved Jamie a lot of trouble as well. As it turns out, you know, Jamie is lying and we'll see what happens as we as we unfold and as we continue reading as well. So it's just something to think about as well. You know, that it is an absolutely a two-way street, something to bear in mind. For the first time in his career, Jamie felt trapped and people who are trapped tend to do crazy things. Mending fences. It had been almost six months since Jamie had turned down the offer to become Greenwich's Vice President of Human Resources. He remembered that Vince Green had seemed particularly agitated by his decision to join Telegraph. 
even swearing about his rival at one point. And Jamie had sensed, even then, that he should not throw away Green's phone number. The memory of that moment gave Jamie hope. Certainly Green would be interested in talking to Jamie. For one, the two men shared a frustration with Telegraph. More importantly, Jamie had information that he might find interesting. At the time Jamie called, Green was on the verge of abandoning his almost morbid curiosity about Telegraph and resign himself to never understanding his rival. Now Jamie was about to suck him back in. Always the purposeful diplomat, Jamie chose his words carefully. I know this is awkward, Vince, and I would understand if you didn't want to talk to me. In truth, he knew otherwise. But I think that my decision to choose Telegraph over Greenwich might have been a poor one. Jamie was sure that those words would be music to Vince's ears. Don't be ridiculous, Jamie. It's good to hear from you. What's going on with you over there? Green was always glad to hear about a competitor's imperfections. Just want to also, by the way, uh, shout out to Gyro, uh, who just joined our Discord um, and, uh, and popped in. He may have popped out again, but also Tim Lynch is here as well. So just want to say hello to you. Well, I'd like to keep this between the two of us. Of course, don't worry about it. Vince assured him a little too quickly. Well, things are fine, I guess. Not perfect, but I'm sure I'll manage. Jamie decided to come right to the point. Well, I'd like to stay in touch with you, just in case I decide that this isn't the right place for me. I hope that you'd be open to talking to me again if Green interrupted his prodigal suitor. Listen, Jamie, I would be happy to talk to you again. Things like this happen all the time. We lose people to telegraph. They lose people to us. Sometimes people change their minds. Even after just six months on the job, Jamie knew that Green was exaggerating the regularity of telegraph departures. Still, he was relieved. Green continued, Why don't we touch base every few months to see how you're doing? Jamie agreed, thanked Green for his understanding, and hung up. How am I going to get through the annual planning session, he wondered. Offsites. Contrary, contrary to the assumptions of his rival, Rich O'Connor had no tolerance for touchy-feeling off-site meetings. In fact, his staff had come to refer to his meetings as hug-free zones, a term they coined during Telegraph's first management retreat five years earlier. It was then that Maureen, Jamie's predecessor, insisted on doing a team-building exercise off-site and invited a consultant to do a half-day session for the Telegraph staff. Her consultant opened the meeting with a feeble but innocuous trust-building exercise in which the the executives were blindfolded and had to solve a simple problem using only their voices and sense of touch. The consultant could not see Rich rolling his eyes behind his blindfold. If he had, he certainly would not have attempted the next exercise. After the team had shed their blindfolds and were seated around the conference table, the consultant asked them to write their birth dates on a name tag and place it on their shirt so others could see. Maureen and everyone else in the room, with the apparent exception of the consultant, noticed that Rich's ears had suddenly turned red, a leading indicator that he was getting frustrated. As soon as the consultant started listing everyone's astrological signs, 
The rest of Rich's face went red. He stood from his seat to protest, but before he could say anything, Maureen headed off the catastrophe. Let's take a five-minute break so we can check voicemail. The room dispersed like a class of sixth graders heading for recess. When the executives returned, all evidence of the consultant was gone, and Maureen was standing in front of them sheepishly. Let me just say, I had absolutely no idea. A friend of mine recommended this guy, and I guess I assumed he knew what he was doing. Her colleagues could see how embarrassed Maureen was. Tom broke the silence with a statement he delivered in his most serious voice. I was really worried there for a second. I thought Rich, being a Leo and all, was going to kill the guy. The room erupted in laughter. That consultant, whose name everyone had forgotten, became somewhat something of an anonymous legend at Telegraph. In fact, every time Maureen planned an offsite, she tried to include at least one reference to a fictitious exercise that was sure to incite the human horror of her colleagues and their non-touchy-feely leader. Jamie was accustomed to dealing with executives who proclaimed a distaste for all things soft, but he had found that most of them were more open to behavioral exercises than they were willing to admit. So he decided that it would be okay to push Rich and his team outside their comfort zone, if only for a few hours. When they saw that the first item on the agenda was called controlled confrontation, the management team assumed it was Jamie carrying on the same humorous tradition that Maureen had started. In fact, they thought it was a pretty clever title for Jamie's first meeting, just the sort of topic that would touch a nerve among the staff. No one knew that Jamie was unaware of the humor. Meadowood. Most off-site sessions took place at a nearby hotel, which Rich and his team preferred for a few reasons. It was a short drive from San Francisco. It had a nice conference center, and perhaps most important, the hotel chain was a client of Telegraph and gave the firm a special rate. While they weren't afraid to spend money when necessary, Rich and his staff were proud of their culture of eliminating superfluous expenses. The annual planning session was a different animal. For one, it was a two-day affair. But uh, second, it was held at a resort called Meadowood, an understated but elegant facility in the Napa Valley, an hour's drive north of San Francisco. For the past three weeks since his performance review with Rich, Jamie had been observing his boss and his peers more closely than ever before. As a result, two things became clearer to him. One, Telegraph had something special going. Two, Jamie was falling further and further away from being a part of it. He would have to do something drastic and soon. As he rode in the shuttle bus through the wine country on the way to Meadowood, Jamie felt ill. And not because of the winding roads. He hadn't felt such pressure in his career since, well, maybe never. By 11 a.m., everyone had arrived in the conference room and settled around the U-shaped table. Rich stood and delivered what, for him, was a customary opening talk. I'll keep this short because we have a lot to cover during the next two days. This meeting marks our eighth consecutive year of revenue growth, profitability, and general success at Telegraph. As always, I thank you for your effort, your passion, and your commitment. I think you know that those are not empty words. Tom could not help but crack a smile at the, at the understated nature of, the, of his boss. Rich continued, but let me say, as I've said before, that it is critical that we not take our success for granted. 
some of the best companies in the world with greater market share and brand equity than ours have grown complacent and assumed <coughs> that their continued success was inevitable, only to watch helplessly as it all slipped away. They had heard this message before, but Rich's sincerity never let them ignore it. He brought the point home. If you think about the achievements we've made over the years, you can trace their roots back to one place and one time, this annual session. So let's work hard, engage one another, and find a way to suck every bit of productivity out of the next two days. And if we can, let's have a little fun too. Rich smiled and sat down. Jamie was dumbfounded. Though he would not be able to admit it until months later, for the first time in his brief stint to Telegraph, he was beginning to understand why everyone seemed to admire Rich. But Jamie wouldn't let himself go there. That would mean increasing the pain that he would ultimately feel if he failed, which was seemingly, which was seeming more and more likely. Rich looked over to Jamie, who was scheduled to kick off the first part of the program. You're up first, Jamie. Always able to portray calm and composure in the face of stress, Jamie began, okay, I'm going to make a change in the agenda. Instead of doing our team building exercise at the beginning of the session, I'm going to move it to the end. I think that will work best. So that means we'll begin with Tom's overview of the strategic plan. No one had the slightest idea that Jamie had just panicked. To them, it had seemed like a simple change. So they opened their binders and dove in. Tom led the first discussion, which focused primarily on two potential acquisition candidates, a retail-oriented consulting firm in Sausalito, and a small electronic commerce outfit in Walnut Creek. There was anything but consensus in the room about the wisdom of making either deal. For 90 minutes, the seven executives debated the merits of each transaction. Some were in favor of both, some were against both, and still others advocated only one of the deals. Jamie needed a scorecard to understand exactly who was on which side of the issue. At one point, Tom and Reed disagreed completely about the financial feasibility of the Sausalito acquisition. Jamie was shocked by the nature of their conversation. Tom started the exchange. Rita, with all due respect, the legal issues you're raising aren't enough for us to back off from this deal. If we try to avoid every potential legal problem, we probably wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Rita, Rita responded carefully, Come on, Tom, you know I'm interested in the overall financial well-being of this firm as much as you are, and that I try to balance my legal responsibilities with my general management background. As usual, Tom interrupted her. I know, Rita, you're not a typical weenie lawyer. For just a brief second, the, womb, the room was tense until Rita laughed. Sarcastically, she responded, Thanks, Tom. I appreciate that. Tom was relieved by a reaction, but slightly embarrassed too. You know what I mean. It's just that if we don't start pulling the trigger on these type of transactions, we're going to have a hard time fixing our over-reliance on high-tech clients. We need a sense of urgency here. Mark, the VP of Consulting, weighed in. The thing is, Tom, I'm not sure I can absorb responsibility for another subject matter team, and I don't know if they have the management talent to keep up with us. He paused. Hell, I think it might be too much for you too, especially given the growth we're expecting in the, next, in the first two quarters. I think you'd be overwhelmed. Tom waited for Mark to finish the sentence this time. Come on, Mark. You've got to have more faith in me than that. To Jamie's surprise, Tom didn't seem angry at all. Janet, the head of marketing, added her two cents. I agree with Mark. 
Tom, you're too stretched right now, and sometimes I wonder that you're going to break. She let them take in the comment and then continued in a new direction. However, we decided two years ago that our new strategy included retail and electronic commerce. And we're a little behind Greenwich in both areas. So I think that we have to find a way to get this done, even if that means Tom has to relinquish some of his responsibilities to someone else. This time, Jamie was sure that Tom would react, and he did. Please, 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 someone take away some of my responsibility, uh, responsibilities, Tom joked. Everyone smiled at their raw COO. In all seriousness, no. <clears throat> In all serious, seriousness, though, I'm open to suggestions. Barry, Telegraph CFO, spoke for the first time that meeting. This is going to be harder for you than you think, Tom. Remember, uh, remember what happened to me last year. Heads around the table nodded. Rich sat and listened, as he often did, clearly following the conversation, but feeling no particular need to jump in just yet. For another 10 minutes, the passion and intensity in the room climbed as everyone weighed in on one side or the other. Everyone, that is, but Jamie who felt like a spectator at a tennis match who didn't know which side to root for. Finally, Rita stood and brought the conversation to an abrupt halt. Frankly, this is all just a bunch of speculation, and nobody really knows the right answer, but there is one thing I'm absolutely certain about, and no one here can convince me otherwise. That was a more definitive statement than anyone expected from the judicious legal counsel. The room was silent. I have to go to to the bathroom. Can we take a break? The tension evaporated with relief. Tom suggested, let's take 10 minutes and regroup at 12.30. I think they're going to bring in lunch for us. The executives broke for the phones and the restrooms. All right, I'm going to take a a, a tiny little break here and just give you a little bit of commentary. Um, As always, if you have uh, thoughts or comments, um, I would love to hear them. And so please go ahead and you know, if there's something you're observing, if it's an insight, uh, put that into the chat. Uh, if you have questions, comments, um, please feel free to to, to um, put them in the chat. Also, uh, for those in um, for those that are hanging out right now in our Discord, I just want to make sure that you all have um, the POAPs, this month's POAPs, if you haven't uh, taken one already. So I'm just going to go ahead and uh, while... Yeah, we're taking a. Uh, I guess we're taking a break as well. Um, so I just want to go ahead and uh, and post those uh, for you, and uh, and then we'll continue. And by the way, um, I will also um, have a little sip of coffee. So m- my observation, and so I just put those poems in for you there, uh, people that are in um, our Discord right now, and um, and I also put the LinkedIn article. Um, in the cafe chat, that's the uh, summary article of Tuesdays. So one of the interesting dynamics that happened in that, you know, remember this is a fable, I'm just going to drink my coffee, is that everyone in the room, first of all, everyone in the room weighed in, uh, but Jamie didn't because he didn't feel vested. He didn't feel that connection. You know, when you are all about yourself, um, you are less vested in in the greater good of the organization and in perhaps the individuals within that organization. So what was really happening is naturally everyone weighed in. You'll notice Rich, the leader, speaks the least and probably speaks the last. And everyone weighed in with their perspective. 
the, that perspective obviously is an in, in an individual perspective. These are members of the leadership team. They're not just there because they're seat fillers. They're there because the seats that they occupy, whether it's marketing or finance or legal, you know, they represent key elements of that company and the company's success. And so they bring their own perspective, you know, the, the marketing perspective, the ops perspective, whatever the case may be, but they also bring an individual and, and perspective. And, they, and, and when you know someone and when you understand and when you actually genuinely care about them and their workload, etc., it isn't just how is this going to impact me, it's how is this going to impact everyone in the company. And so, you know, sometimes I joke um, that, uh, in fact, maybe I'll call the, uh, the name of this episode uh, Oxygen Invaders. Um, I once heard that, you know, when, when you're kind of like, a, <laughs> someone is just kind of like a, an, empty, an empty mind or just a waste of space, seat filler, right? Like um, they're an oxygen invader. They're actually stealing oxygen. Um, and, and you don't want that. You don't want passengers ultimately in your company or in your team or in your, your circle. You want everyone not only to be vested or feel vested, but to contribute uh, as well. So let's continue. I'm going to have another sip of coffee. Everyone in the room seemed to be engaged and invigorated by the nature of the discussion so far, with the exception of Jamie. Although he maintained a confident exterior, inside he felt lost among these people. In his entire career, he had never been comfortable engaging in the kind of dialogue that he had just seen. Unconsciously, he felt the need to find a chink in their armor, anything for relief. Rita returned to the room before the others. She was about to turn on her cell phone when Jamie approached her. I hope you weren't offended by Tom's comments. Rita seemed a little surprised. I wasn't offended at all. That's just Tom. She paused. You really thought that they were harsh? Jamie mistakenly thought Rita was second-guessing herself. In fact, what she was doing was questioning Jamie's judgment. Yes, I did. I'm sure he meant well, but that kind of comment can cause problems if we're not careful. Rita thought hard about what Jamie said. I appreciate your concern, but I don't think it's a problem. If I did, I'd, I'd tell him in a New York minute. Jamie tried to backpedal. Good, because that's important. As long as you can confront him if he steps over the line, then that, well, that's important. Even Jamie thought his reply sounded inane. At that point, the others returned to the room and Rich reconvened the meeting with his first words in almost an hour. Okay, everyone. We've analyzed this every way possible over the past two weeks. We've reviewed the financials, the projections, and all the potential deal breakers. I don't think we're lacking any critical information here. It comes down to making a decision and sticking with it. Besides, the way we execute is ultimately going to determine how successful this is anyway. Everyone nodded, but Jamie's head was bouncing up and down like a jack-in-the-box. He was desperate to find a way to get connected to these people. Rich called the question, so let's decide on the Sausalito deal first. Where do we stand? He looked at Rita. She breathed hard. I still think it's too risky. Mark shook his head to vote no. I agree with you, he said, looking at Rita. Janet weighed in. I say we've got to find a way. Tom smiled. I'm for it, but I agree that I need some help. Barry winced. This is tough. 
but I think I'll feel worse if we don't do it than if we try and fail. Finally, everyone else having weighed in, Jamie spoke. I'm all for it. It seemed a little hollow, if not gratuitous. With the verbal votes in, Rich did what he usually did in these circumstances. He shared his opinion and made the final decision. Okay, this is certainly not a slam dunk. There are very real concerns about workload and integration, and you've done a nice job laying them out. In fact, I've changed my mind three times already this morning. His staff smiled at the subtle compliment. However, the strategic imperative here is overwhelming. Home growing our retail practice from what we've got will, uh, will take too long. Acquisition is eventually going to be necessary, and I don't think it's going to get easier next quarter or the one after that. So let's do it. Jamie looked at Mark and Rita to see how they would respond. Nothing. Then Rita spoke. Okay, we spent a lot of time talking about this, and we don't want to take the entire planning session on it. So let's meet in my office next Tuesday to talk about due diligence, integration, and anything else we need to do to make this successful. I'll email an agenda to everyone tonight. Mark responded first. I've got something on Tuesday morning, so let's try to do it in the afternoon. I really want to be at that meeting. Rita nodded and made a note on her calendar. Jamie was dumbfounded. It was as though Rita and Mark had forgotten how they had voted. He decided they must be masking their real feelings. There had to be an underlying element of resentment in this team. And Jamie decided that the only way to take the pressure off himself was to unearth it. So can you see what's happening here? I mean, it's, it's politics in a nutshell. Jamie is trying, in terms of ingratiating himself and trying to build a relationship, he's trying to build it by essentially bad-mouthing or second-guessing or fomenting doubt in the company. He just can't, he can't um, bring himself to actually recognizing that this is a company, you know, as the old, you know, there's that old saying that says it's not personal, it's just business. Well, it, it, it is personal and it is business, just that you don't take things personally. So there's a big difference here, right? Of course, it's personal. The people that you're with, you know, you know, you build relationships with them, you get to know them, their families. Of course, it's personal and it's business. But taking things personally, that's different. That's very different. And so in this case, you know, you can see that this is a company <clears throat> from a value standpoint, they're prepared to enter the danger. They're prepared to have crucial conversations. And when a decision is made, they move on. They live to fight another day. They're open and honest leading up to that. You know, you win some, you lose some, you draw some, and you move on. All right, the day of reckoning. A social event was Jamie's most comfortable setting, and that night at dinner, he regained some of his confidence. He made sure to spend time with Rita, rebuilding any damage he might have done during the break earlier that day. And he told a hilarious and self-deprecating HR joke during dinner, purposefully showing everyone that he could laugh at himself. Jamie was beginning to believe he could pull this off. But by the next morning, his sense of dread returned. Excuse me. He knew that by the end of the day, he would have to engage more and then lead a meaningful confrontation exercise around leadership. He had an idea, but whether he could, pull, he could actually pull it off, he wasn't sure. 
The day's session began with Rich's quarterly review of the company's overall plan, which as far as Jamie could tell, had changed very little since the previous quarter. Still, Rich covered every bit of it point by point. The company's underlying purpose for the business, its behavioral values, its business definition, major organizational objectives, everyone was wrapped as though they were hearing it for the first time. The rest of the day proceeded much as the previous one had. The team hashed out many of the operational and strategic issues facing the firm, everything from marketing to partnerships to facilities. And throughout the day, skirmishes broke out among the team members, each one leading Jamie to conclude that he might never be able to do this. One particular discussion made an impression on Jamie, not because of its fireworks, but ironically because of the ease with which a potentially sticky decision was made. Rita announced that the firm had no luck leasing more space in the building where it currently resided. She verbalized what everyone else was thinking. We either need to move two of our departments to another site or find a new home for the entire company. I've identified two options for each scenario. Tom couldn't believe they had already run out of space. He had hoped to avoid this issue for as long as possible. I guess this is a good problem to have, although it scares the hell out of me. How far away would the satellite office be? Rita looked at her notes. Three blocks and it is room for 45 employees. Mark didn't want to move his department. I've got almost that many now, so it looks like a no-go for me. What about you, Janet? Well, I'll have 20 by the end of the year, so I could probably make that work for a year or two. Rich decided to guide the conversation. It sounds like everyone is leaning toward the satellite option rather than moving the entire firm. They could tell he was trying to make a statement of some kind, and Rita took his bait. The idea of moving the entire company is pretty awful to me. <clears throat> the last move took so much time that we lost almost three weeks with all the hassles. She was always the practical one. Rich was not. We can dive into the short-term pros and cons of these options, but I think it would be better to step back and ask ourselves what would be in the best long-term interest of who we are. Mark seemed puzzled, so Rich explained. Think about our strategy and our history. Tom caught on right away. Yeah, we're always talking about the importance of cross-functional teams and tearing down silos. Having two sites is not going to help that. Rich added, And if we're going to absorb the new retail team, we'll want to have them mixed in with everyone else, not just Janet's people. Otherwise, they'll never really blend. Mark came around. That's true because if we don't give them a ton of support right away, I'll never hit the $3 million retail number. As valid as these points were, the practical implications were still daunting for Rita. But next quarter, we're going to open a satellite office. We have to get used to multiple sites eventually, don't we? Yes, but whenever we can avoid it, Rich interrupted his own thought. Look, I think location is vital when it comes to people communicating and working together. Two blocks away or 200 miles, it's pretty much the same. Tom pitched in. Remember what it was like working with Trinity Systems last year? Three buildings on the same campus and we had, a, and, and we had one hell of a time getting strategic planning and marketing to communicate. It was ridiculous. You're right, I know it, Rita relented, but my life is going to be a mess. What are the two options for new space? Tom wanted to keep the conversation going. Rita exhaled. Well, there's a nice building with plenty of space near the new ballpark. And then there's a gorgeous space that just opened up north of the Embocadero. It looks like a palace, but the price is pretty much the same as our other option. Mark had a soft spot for luxury. I vote for the Embocadero. 
This time, Tom played Rich's role in the discussion. What makes the most sense in terms of who we are? Rich, uh, Rita had an answer right away. The ballpark. It's nice, but not overly so. It's more convenient to the airport and freeways. That means shorter time for clients to get to us, to, to get to us and for us to get to them. Rich reminded them of their roots. And I don't think we want our clients wondering how we can afford to live in a palace. It really doesn't fit with our commitment to humility and customer intimacy. Rita scribbled notes on her pad. The ballpark looks like the right answer. I'll meet with a a real estate guy and see how fast we can make this happen. She turned to Barry. Can I hire a contractor to handle this move so I don't drown here? This is a busy quarter for me. Barry nodded. I'll check the budget. It should be fine. Suddenly, the conversation was over. The subtlety of what had just happened almost made Jamie miss its significance. He remembered many similar conversations taking place in his career. The difference was the time frame. It had taken Telegraph less than 25 minutes to make a decision that other companies spent weeks, sometimes months, discussing. Making a location move making a location move usually brought out a host of sensitive issues and posturing on the part of executives. They wanted to see all the plans argue for space and have a guided tour. Not Telegraph. What is going on here? Jamie asked himself. Rich refocused the meeting. Okay, before we let Jamie do the team building exercise, let's talk about the cascading communication plan. Rich went to the flip chart at the front of the room and asked, what are the key messages we need to bring back to our people when we get back to the office next week? Jamie watched as the group tossed out key issues and decisions that were made. The Sausalito acquisition, next quarter's goals, two promotions, a key change in expense policy, a new training program, and the facilities move. After 15 minutes of discussion, they agreed to communicate everything on the list with the exception of the potential Sausalito acquisition because it was still pending. Then they spent a few minutes talking about the right way to articulate a few of the more sensitive issues so employees had the complete picture. As he always did at the end of a cascading session, Rich reminded them of their responsibility. So let's all take these messages back to our staffs by the end of day Monday, he added. And remember, if we don't do it right away, we'll forget some of the essence of the issues and your people are going to hear about them from someone else. Don't let that happen. Heads nodded as if to say, okay, okay, and everyone busily copied the material from the flip chart. Rich then spoke the words that Jamie had dreaded. All right, Jamie, you're up. Now, I just want to say one thing as well. You know, there are a couple of things <clears throat> that are that are going on and I don't know if you you know if you picked up on them or not and and again I'm I'm hoping I can coax maybe one or two of you in the final five minutes uh or so to come up onto stage and and give us your feeling. You know, one is uh obviously you'll note the the very shortened time frame associated with how the decisions were made and then everyone moved on. That's obviously very unusual. Um, I've cited often, you know, Napoleon Hill in uh, Think and Grow Rich. He talks about this idea of, you know, making decisions quickly and taking a long time to change their minds. Those are the uh, the characteristics of of people that have amassed or have been, you know, become wealthy. Whereas brokies are the people that take a long time to make a decision and then change their minds quickly. 
The other thing is they ultimately, the arbiter, what, what ended up um, being the kind of uh, the linchpin to make this decision was core values, right? Who are we at our core? Um, and, and that's why it made sense for them to go to the ballpark versus the Embarcadero. So it allowed them, you know, it gave them, it, it is like the North Star. It helped guide them. When, when you can always create, uh, you know, analysis paralysis, right? The more time you take a decision or to make a decision, the more factors get brought into the decision. The more you doubt or self-doubt, the more doubt creeps in, you know, the more you second-guess yourself, the, the the final point I just wanted to make is it's never in you know it's never a black and white decision in life. There's always pros and cons. So when you come into something recognizing that there always are going to be pros and cons, then I think there's a, a kind of acceptance, and it's a good acceptance, which is to be look. You know, I mean, we're lucky if we ever get to a place where it's just so obvious to you know go left or right. Often it's lesser of evils, or in this case, it's it's degrees. It's how you make the decision and then move on and then make the most of that decision that counts. Sorry, one more point that I wanted to make. And then just to remind you, tomorrow we kind of do a best of the week and uh, I'll bring in a few like sound bites from this week's episode on Joseph Jaffe is Not Famous, um, which is uh, John Wolpert's The Two-Butt Rule, um, really just an incredible philosophy of how to deal with toxic positivity, but also how to... Um, to essentially to butt yourself, how to butt your butts. So, you know, create, um, turn negativity into positivity. So what I'll, what I do on a Friday is I'll play you some of those sound bites, but also it's kind of an open mic session. So it's an opportunity for you to come on stage, uh, talk about, you know, what the best of the week, what happened this week? You know, what do you want me to talk about? Any questions or, or comments that you want to have uh, as well? So please, uh, do come back tomorrow at 8 a.m. And, uh, and please tell a friend and bring a friend. Um, I will ask you this every single day. That's all I ask of you. I don't need your money. I don't need your business. Um, all I want is, um, you know, and, and appreciate and value more than you could ever know is uh, your time and, uh, and, and your recommendation. So the last thing I wanted to say is, you know, Rich, um, as, you know, as the CEO, as the kind of the boss here, he almost acts like a coach. So he's always able to synthesize and frame and reframe. The only difference is that he makes the decision ultimately and they live with that. So by having a coach present, you sometimes need someone to guide and steer, you know, and, and, and help just harness the energy of the room and then allow everyone to make a decision. But decision-making can come from one person or it can be some kind of a consensus. What Rich does, of course, is he listens to everyone, everyone votes, and then he makes a decision. And people accept the fact that the decision may not always, you know, go their way uh, as well. It's it's tricky, you know, if if ultimately the person making the decision is also the person kind of, you know, running and coaching the meeting. But if they've built trust and if they've built, you know, rapport and respect and they have that track record, then it is, you know, kind of easy. So if, if I don't see any hands raised or or comments, I'll just read a little bit more and then kind of we'll break with a few minutes closer to nine because I'm sure you're all itching to find out exactly what happened uh, with Jamie. By the way, as I often do, just shout-outs to Henry, Galena, uh, Prempal, Slick, Vuya, Anne, Eternity, Rose Gold, Nima, Francisco, Mahalia, and Elisa, 
Claire and Eric, the people, of course, Christopher and Tim, who are in our uh, Discord. You know, I love the fact that just people have passed through the virtual coffee shop. That's the goal of today. You know, come in, you know, get a little bit of coffee, get a little bit of conversation and insight and leave. You all know, of course, that if you want to listen to the replay, you can. You can also subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go. 360 degree feedback. After contributing so little during the previous two days, Jamie decided that he would have to go through with his riskiest approach. The only way to save himself would be to create a major distraction, maybe even a potential crisis that he could then help to avoid, and it would have to involve Rich. As he stood to announce the exercise, Jamie knew that there was no turning back, so there was no sense in being nervous. With all the confidence of a seven-year-old veteran of Telegraph, he began, Thanks, Rich. What we're going to do today is review the results of the 360-degree feedback questionnaires that we filled out a few weeks ago. But rather than going through the feedback we received from our direct reports, we'll just focus on one another's peer input. No one seemed to object, which wouldn't have mattered to Jamie anyway, not at this point. Still, he was relieved that they seemed to be on board. What we'll do is this. Everyone will be reading someone else's feedback summary. That way, we'll all get a chance to hear our own issues objectively. He handed a summary report to each member. After each summary had been read, the person who is being reviewed can ask questions and we can discuss the results. Everyone nodded, indicating their approval. Jamie knew that the absence of a formal contrived program would help the team accept the exercise. We'll start with Tom. Who is Tom's report? Rich raised his hand. Jamie gave his final instructions. We don't have much time, so let's dive in. Without hesitation, Rich opened the report, cleared his throat, and began reading. Tom was almost eager to hear hear something negative, which would provide fodder for his self-effacing humor, but virtually the entire summary was positive. When Rich finished, Tom was almost disappointed. More than one of his colleagues found the, the report odd, given that they had provided at least a few morsels of constructive criticism. The only thing that was remotely constructive was Tom's tendency to interrupt people, which he gladly demonstrated the first chance he got, just for comic relief. One by one, the other executives read the summary for their colleagues. Discussion was lively but relatively painless because most of the feedback was positive. Any initial suspicions that they had about the accuracy of the data were overwhelmed by the supportive, complimentary nature of the comments they received. The meeting had turned into a veritable love fest. Rich, too, had wondered about the relative absence of constructive feedback, but given Jamie's eroding situation and the success of the past two days, he decided that to address the issue would be an unnecessary distraction. Another time would be more appropriate, so he decided to sit back and enjoy heaping well-deserved praise on his staff members. Only two people had yet to be reviewed, Jamie and Rich, who would go last. Tom would be reading Jamie's data, and before he began, the room seemed to tense up a little bit. Jamie too was nervous, but in a likable kind of way. In fact, he was working the audience for any amount of preemptive sympathy he could get. Mark tried to break the tension with a quick question, one that he genuinely was curious about. Excuse me, Tom, before you start, I'd like to know how this data was analyzed. I'm just curious about the process. 
Mark was careful to word the question in a way that did not sound like an attack on Jamie. Jamie stuttered for a moment. Well, the data is computer tabulated, of course, and then Sophia, my new communication specialist, goes through it to identify trends and consistent themes. She's done plenty of these before. Rita wrote something down on a pad of paper. Mark smiled. Thanks, Jamie. Go ahead, Tom. Tom began. There are three primary pieces of feedback that were evident in Jamie's data. You know what? I'm going to stop right there. I'm, I'm going to stop right there. I am going to carry it over for next week. How about that? Um, it's 8.57, so you want to hear Jamie's uh, feedback and what happened? You're going to just have to come back next week. Isn't that unfair? Um, but seriously, I want to know what you thought. Um, I want to know what you're thinking. Would love to hear. Does anyone want to come up and comment? Um, it would be uh, awesome to hear what you think. I'm also just making sure that I am, in fact, available. Uh, you know what? I might not actually be here next um, <clears throat> next Thursday. I might have an event. So you might have to wait two weeks. Or if I do choose to do it on a different day, the way that you will be able to note is uh, I will post it in our Discord so again, that's discord.gg uh, forward slash. I'm going to put that in uh, the comment, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. I'll put it in the cafe chat. Or I'll maybe just do it as a voice note um, in, um, in the startup club in, in Clubhouse. Um, and we'll try and figure out a way to continue that. I, I am at an event that begins at 8, but maybe I'll even just do it from the car. <clears throat> Uh, which means, yeah, maybe I'll just do it from the car. Um, so we'll figure out uh, something. Um, <clears throat> final point from me today. Well, first of all, thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm i thinking to myself, I wonder if, um, if Jamie, because I haven't read the book yet. I'm reading it for the first time. I might have read it like years ago in my life, but I don't remember. Um, I wonder if Jamie, you know, removed all the actual constructive criticism um, and just kind of made sure that it was all positive in a way. Um, and as opposed to, you know, bringing more, you know, like, like meaty feedback that people could handle. So, um, and obviously I'm curious as to, as to what Jamie's review is going to say um, as well. So um, that's it for today. I'm going to leave you with uh, my little AI-produced uh, song that I created. This, uh, the, the backing track, the lyrics, uh, even the singing is all AI-generated, genera except for the fact that the AI-generated um, voice is trained on mine. So I'm going to play you that. I'm going to play you the end of the Collective Cafe. We'll wrap up, and I will see you all next week. Every day I wake up ready to face the fight Got so many reasons to give up, but I won't let it take me down I can fight in my heart and nothing's gonna dim the light I'll keep climbing every mountain, nothing's gonna hold me down Sorry, what I meant is I'll be back tomorrow for best of the week and then uh, we'll continue our live reading um, of Four Obsessions, maybe next Thursday. But remember, on Tuesday, we continue reading Crucial Conversations. Here is uh, a previous version that I use the same software for, which is called Splash, um, for the Collective Cafe. We all 
You'll see that from the time that I actually did it, they've got uh, progressively better in terms of like voice recognition and text to speech, etc. Well, that's it for me. See you all tomorrow. Bye bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.